Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast called Your Last Decade. I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has life changed? What happened to them in 2010? And what has the last decade brought them? Also, what do they hope for in the next 10 years? Today, my guest is Jimmy McNeil. I've known Jimmy and his wife, Stacy, who is a happy hour listener for over 10 years. And I have loved watching their story as they went from friends to dating, to marriage, to parents. You're going to hear the whole story. Jimmy's a worship leader at the church I attend and my husband's a pastor at, at the Austin Stone Community Church. He's a husband, a father, a son, and he's a friend. We look back over the last 10 years and how God has used Jimmy's singleness to grow deep roots of faith, how marriage and walking through the loss of two babies have impacted Jimmy specifically as he's grieved their loss. Jimmy tenderly shares about how the COVID-19 global pandemic has directly impacted his family. And also we talk about how the current events surrounding our nation's response to the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery are also impacting him as a black man in this country. I respect Jimmy deeply. I love his wife so much. He is a gift to our family and to our church. I know that these next few minutes will be a gift to you as well. All right, here is my conversation with my friend, Jimmy McNeil. Jimmy McNeil, welcome to this special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Welcome. What's up, Jamie? Well, I'm so happy to have you. And I should just let everyone know that Jimmy and I are actually real-life friends. He's married to Stacy, who I've been friends with for probably since I moved to Austin almost 12 years ago. That's I know I met her minute. really soon. Do you know how Stacy and I met? No, I don't think I do. So in 2009... Erin mm-hmm. and I hosted a sweet little girl here from Haiti on a medical visa. She had surgery. Uh-huh. And I believe that Stacy brought me like Sonic or something to the hospital. And that's how we met. Isn't that <laughs> she awesome? She probably did. She probably brought you a Diet Coke from Sonic. She was teaching some, some still special. then, I think. Yeah. 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 She was. yeah and so yeah. she came to the hospital and hung out with Fedna. Her name was Fedna, my little, that little sweet girl mm. from Haiti. And that's how I met your wife. And so we've been friends since 2009. And I adore her and adore you. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jamie. And we adore you. We adore uh, you and Aaron and all those fine, fun-looking kids. Oh, I love all those kids, kids and girls. They're great. Big kids over here. Okay, so 2010. Take me back to what was life like for you in 2010? Well, first off, it was much different than where I am now. One, I was a single man living that single man's life. I was the only really the only single person on our Austin Stone stage, if you want to say that out loud, I was. And yeah, it was it was a, a different world. I look back at it now and I think I was young uh, or I felt like I was young, but I thought I was old considering all the folks that we were ministering to at the time. But But I would easily say that it was a fun time. I remember Matt Carter, our, our lead teaching pastor at the time, was just sharing. There was a sermon he preached talking about just 
living up your singleness and enjoying your singleness. And that's what I was doing. I was going on mission trips. I was uh, playing music at different places. I was singing at so many dang weddings. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. Uh, for real, Stacy laughs at me now because I don't sing as a, at as many weddings. And um, I used to sing at probably 24 to like 25 weddings a year, which is- I did not know that. That's a lot of weddings. <laughs> it is like a lot of weddings. wedding singer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Black Adam Sandler over here. But, yep. uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was a lot okay, of fun. So I really enjoyed it. How old were you in 2010? So 10 years ago, living the single life. How old were you? Damn, it was fun as I had to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how old was I? I don't know. 26, 27. That was, the, that, was that, that year. I was 26, okay. 20, 27. Yep. 26, 27. Okay. I want to ask you this because we have a lot of that age group that listen to the happy hour and yep. I'm just such a fan of people in that age group. And you mentioned something that I think is really important and worth spending a couple minutes on is you were living up that single life. And so granted, most of my listeners are women. And so there might be a little bit of a difference there, but there is this tendency, especially in Christian culture, that marriage is like, you've got to have it right out of college or else you're not doing anything or else you're not living for the Lord, all these things. And you and I both know that's a lie. And I think most oh, listeners yeah. would say, oh, that's not true. But yet, what did it look like for you to actually say, I'm going to embrace singlehood and enjoy yeah. it because you did that. I watched it with my own eyes. And, you know, I'll just say this so you don't have to. When you said you were the only single person on the, you know, the Jimmy and I both go to the same church. Jimmy and my husband work together. So when we say Austin Stone, that's the name of our church. You yeah. said you were the only single person on the Austin Stone stage. Stage. And let me just tell you, women be having crazy thoughts and ideas and feelings for male <laughs> worship leaders. And so I'll just throw it out there. So it's not like you weren't like, oh, there's no options for me to date anyone. So what made you say, I'm going to live the single life to the best of my ability? Yeah, I would say, Jamie, you write about them crazy girls. Um, <laughs> there were some there were crazy. <laughs> But I think God was just protecting me. He protected me from my own selfishness and my own uh, selfish tendencies, I would say. But being discipled by the guys that had been pouring into me, Halim Sell was pouring into me in 2008, 2009. And what I learned from him and what I learned from some of the other guys that were in leadership at the Austin Stone, even Aaron as well. What I learned from those guys was, man, if you're called to marriage, marriage is hard. And there's a whole lot of things that you will not get to do. So enjoy those things now and don't start dreaming up what's on the other side of green pastures because that passage is talking about heaven. It ain't talking about marriage, but don't look on the, see if the grass is green on the other side because the grass, it looks green on the other side as well. Same side as yours. It just looks a little bit different. It might be a different kind of grass. The trees may look a little different, but it's still a tree and you're still going to walk through some hard stuff. So for me, I was just like, all right, Lord, if you're calling me to singleness, I need to adventure and see what that may mean for me. But for the time being, I'm single now. And yes, at the time frame, I was somewhat looking, but I really wasn't looking for anyone to date or marry. I had this uh, fun thing that I would do whenever I'd find someone that I was even, my wife is going to laugh that I'm saying this out loud. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the women on here won't judge a brother. But, um, but I used to pray this, like, I mean, it's a silly prayer, but I used to pray this prayer every time I meet someone that I might have some kind of interest in. And I'd say, Lord, God, if this is truly from you, would you, or if it's not, would you please just make her look ugly to me? And what I meant by that was not just the physical thing. Okay, ladies, it ain't just the physical attraction. I know. <laughs> all right. But it was more just like other things that I know that I would not want in a wife. 
And what I was looking for was a wife. I was not looking for some girl to date. I was looking for someone I could date with the intent to marry. And mm-hmm. that just wasn't around. And, and for the time that, that, uh, that I was single and, and pursuing Jesus, God just was like, all right, I'm just going to let you enjoy your singleness and let you be able to have the freedom to travel as much as you want and do all these things that, uh, that I'm calling you towards. And if you're called to singleness for the rest of your life, I want to show you how to live it in a true and godly way now before you get older. And that meant friendships needed to change. That meant uh, like friendships with women. Um, I, need, I, I made sure that I wasn't hanging out with them alone. I had to learn that as I got older. I'm not hanging out alone with girls and having intimate conversations and uh, me asking them intimate com- uh, like intimate things that I didn't think were intimate, but they do, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I had to learn not to ask those questions and um, to ask questions in group settings and, and try to love my female friends, the women in my life that were really great friends, try to love them really well by showing them that I was not that into them as the movie says, or, or just not interested. You know, I was really more just one, the friend I would tell them out loud too. I even told Stacey that we had a good convo um, once about just the two of us. Cause I don't know if you were one of those ladies, Jamie, a couple girls around us were like, man, y'all need to date. Something's going on right there. I don't know. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, I ain't having that. I already prayed about Stacy and nah, but God led me to pray again back in like 2012, December, 2012 and started to change my heart. But even before that, uh, we had a combo of just me saying, hey, babe, uh, not babe, because she's my babe now, not not then. Yeah. But we, I said, hey, I want you to know this. I'm not interested in you. I don't like you, but I need to know, do you like me? And I was just like, we're going to define this relationship right now. And it was a hard combo, but good. She was like, no, I don't like you. And I found out later she was lying. Yeah, I was going to say, what, had she, what would you have done, Jimmy, had she said yes? Because you came and said, listen, I don't like you, but do you like me? That seems like a kind of an unfair <laughs> question. Setting the girl up for failure is what I got to say about that. I mean, you're right. It didn't happen that way. It was more like, hey, we need to talk about us. Like, we need to set some boundaries to our friendship. And I just need to let you know that, like, I see you as a friend. I value as I value our friendship. I love our friendship. I'm not interested in you as uh, being somewhat something more than that. But I need to know, like, if you have those feelings towards me, I need you to know from my standpoint that that's not the same. Yeah. And just trying to like make sure that was clear. And she said, I don't like you either. And I was like, okay, great. But we all knew. We all knew. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's an important for people who are listening that are single is I love that you even took the ownership of having that conversation. Because even though, you know, looking back on 2012 and those years when you and Stacey started dating, I knew that Stacey had feelings for you, but you were man enough to say, I'm going to lead this friendship a little bit here, yeah. and I'm going to make sure that there's no cross signals. Uh, Stacy told me that you guys were going to start dating. We were sitting at a Chipotle eating lunch together, and she told me. <laughs> and so I have so many feelings about that. But, you know, in the 10 years, I mean, you were single 10 years ago, living yep. the single life, following yep. Jesus, worship leader at our church. And a lot has changed because now, I mean, we've talk, been talking about Stacy, your wife. You've been married. You guys have had three children. So walk through some of maybe the biggest challenges of going from 26 single to married. And you can tell the story, but I know you guys started having kids quite soon into your marriage. (laughs) Quite soon. You got jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how that had that adjustment has been and maybe even what did you expect and how was it different for you? Yeah. So I would say my expectations walking into dating, engagement, and marriage. My expectation was, man, I need to mourn my singleness because it's never going to be the same. And I was told to do that by some really close friends that were married and been married for a while. 
They just said, man, you got to mourn your singleness when you walk through this, because if you don't, it's going to be really not good for your marriage. So I fought to do that. Both me and Stacy, both we fought for that. But our first year, we started dating in January of 2013. And like I said, that prayer happened like in December of 2012. So started dating January 2013, got engaged May, I think it was 19th, in May of 2013, got married August 20 or September 21st, and then found out we were pregnant December 7th. So I was single, dating, engaged, married, and pregnant, or my wife was, all in one year. So Jamie, that year was cray cray. That year is crazy. That is so (laughs) many transitions in one year. I mean, just to talk about how hearing what you've told us about praying the prayer and really asking God to reveal, is this relationship worth pursuing? You did that in January. Yes, I'm going to pursue. We're dating. We're engaged. We're married. We're about to have a baby up in here. How did you as transitioning into now husband, transitioning into father now, how was that transition for you of just an entire year full of the most I don't want to use the word crazy, but it was a lot of just unknown things happening in one year. It was so hard because Stacey was also going through just a lot of different kinds of depressive states throughout that process. And the woman that I had married in moments was just different. And I was just like, what in the world is happening to my wife? And what is this baby doing to her body and like her mind and her soul? And I said body, but I want to let y'all know clearly Let me state it. My wife is real fine pregnant. You know what I'm saying? I love my wife pregnant. Wow, she's just beautiful. I love it. Uh, I'm one of those guys that loves that about his wife. But yeah, it was just extremely hard. And walking through those emotions with her, um, I think that first year, I don't know if it was the hardest year of our marriage, but it definitely ranks up there in the top seven because it's only been seven years. But yeah, it's definitely up there pretty high because all the stuff we had to walk through within that moving in together, figuring out how to live together. And then she's pregnant. And then both of us are enjoying what it looks like to be pregnant because we were enjoying some real good food and eating ice cream like almost every other. Like we had, there was a place uh, that had some pie that we'd walk to, eat the pie and come back. And I'd always get two soup ice cream, you know. So we gained a little LB, a couple LBs through the process. And there was a lot of change both in both of our bodies and just both of our minds even. So as a husband, uh, it was extremely hard for me to figure out how to care for her and to love her well. But I, I think I give God all credit for putting other men in my life that could help me navigate. Guys that I was discipling, as well as men that had discipled me, mm-hmm. were just there to encourage me throughout the process. And, and I was very vulnerable, extremely vulnerable with people. I had I'd learned to be more vulnerable. Um, and God had to teach me that before I got married, which was really good. But Stacy and I are also extremely vulnerable. So whenever she wasn't feeling great, she would just she'd just tell me and be honest with me, even about our marriage. Both of us were in accountability groups, and we still do this in that time frame where in our accountability groups, I'll go to mine on Thursday morning, and after I finish, she'll, um, I'll come home and she'll say, okay, babe, is there anything you need to tell me that you didn't haven't told me <laughs> from your accountability group? And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. And yeah, and there are times when there are things, and there are times when there aren't. But yeah. I think us starting and making a, I would say like a stable foundation of us being completely, extremely vulnerable, but having kind of what we like to call a full disclosure and our counseling or also stone does this marriage counseling or premarital mentoring where there's a full disclosure night where we disclose everything that we feel led to share that was sinful or uh, something that we've done that could wrong our future spouse or, or just dark sin that we've never told anyone else. And I can honestly tell you that there is nothing that I've ever hidden from my wife 
And not a lot of people can say that. And if y'all are listening to this right now, you know, I, I'm sorry, I got to preach a little bit. All right, Jamie. But uh, if those of y'all that are listening right now and you're wondering how to start doing that, the first step is just simply praying and asking God to, to help you be a person that is vulnerable in your marriage. Because in, honesty breeds intimacy. And me and Stacy being honest with each other has been so helpful. And us having that hard first year and us being honest, brutally honest throughout that whole time, it's just, it just set us up for a really great and really extremely hard seven years of marriage, but I wouldn't change anything within that. I love that. I think I would add too, if someone's listening and they think, okay, I want this, but I don't know that my spouse does to pray for them. Like God can do really big things in people's lives. He is the changer of hearts. And so he can actually make them willing to have those conversations. Jimmy, you mentioned that it's been, you know, hard seven years. And I know from personally being your friends, you and Stacey have walked through some miscarriages. One of the things that I've noticed about y'all's marriage and you in particular is I don't think I've ever in my entire life seen a man walk through and mourn the loss of a child through a miscarriage like I have seen you and you and Stacy value that that child and that life. And so I would love to just hear from you about as a man, what was it like to walk through losing two children that God gave you guys through miscarriage in these seven years of your marriage? It was painful. I think walking through those miscarriages, I can't say it necessarily helped us grow up, I would say, but it definitely gave us some wrinkles, if I can say that, where we can see that we've been through something and we've been through a lot. And if you look at people that are older, you see the wrinkles in their faces or in their hands. If you look in someone's hands and you you can tell someone has worked really hard over the long years when their hands are extremely wrinkly or they have different kind of what I like to call war wounds on their fingers or different things on their hands. And whenever you walk through those time frames of, of actually experiencing one of those war wounds or one of those painful times, it it's excruciating. And our miscarriages happened in January 2016 and July of 2016. And Hattie Mae and Ezra Lee are what we name them. And we joke around sometimes of thinking, what if Hattie Mae was a boy? <laughs> when we get to heaven, uh, he's probably going to be like, come on, daddy. But, uh, but yeah, or Ezra Lee was a girl, you know. But either way, I know that in that time frame and in that process for both Stacy and I, it just brought us so much closer to God, but also closer to each other. I felt like people like uh, my supervisor, Chris Collins, and even Aaron, your hubby, like spoken to my life in different ways where they just encouraged me to, Chris just shared a couple of things. He said, man, here's one thing that you need to remember that people won't, is that they won't remember. Mm. And you will. Every year you will remember, but people will forget in two to three weeks, a month from now, two months from now, you will forget. You need to make sure you tell Stacy that, and y'all need to make sure y'all lean into each other and walk through this together slowly walk through it. And as you're walking through it, it's good to talk out loud. And the reason we named our kids was because there was one day, I can't remember exactly if it was me or Stacy. Uh, it might've been me because it felt kind of weird because I think I had to like say it. I think it was me, but I just said, what do you think about naming our kids? And she was like, that's not it. That's not a dumb idea. Like, at all. I think that'd be great. And one of the funny things, and I'll share this, hopefully she, oh man, when she listens to this, Jamie, she might, she might like pinch my knee or something. I don't know. But there was one point when we were talking and I was like, yeah, she she named, she picked one of the names that I liked from our, when we thought we were having a girl with Jackson. And I was like, no, I think I want to kind of use a name that we kind of don't like just in case we have another kid and we can use the name that we like. And I'm sorry, but it's true. I admit that. 
But Hattie was her grandmother's name. And my grandmother's name is Ada May. And my and Stacy's always loved that middle name. So that's where Hattie May comes from, is Hattie May. And then after I said it out loud, I was like, ooh, I kind of like that. So yeah, we still named her Hattie May. And uh, Ezra Lee is just, um, we liked it. My grandpa's middle name was Lee. And uh, on the day in which uh, we found out we were having a miscarriage, one of our friend's daughters, we were watching them. They were at our house and she had been reading in her Bible. And she was like, man, I like the name Ezra. And what do y'all think about the name Ezra? And we looked at each other. We were like, that's a great name. And that same day was when the miscarriage started, started happening a few hours after she said that. And we chose his name to be Ezra Lee, which is, uh, yeah, I wish that I could have seen them and held them. But God's given us the grace to hold three other kids, which has been so beautiful. And I've got a five-year-old, his name's Jackson. I've got a two-year-old, her name's Mahala. And then I've got a one-year-old, his name is Miles. You have cute, cute, cute cute kids. You know, the thing about miscarriages is, is I think it's way more common than people know because a lot of people are scared to talk about it or don't understand how to process those feelings. And so I'm just, I'm thankful for you being a a male voice on this show to have those conversations because no doubt there are people listening who have walked through it or going to walk through it or are going to know a friend that's walked through it. And Mm -hmm. so guess I want to ask one more question about this before we move on. And that would be, what can you encourage the listeners to, if they know a friend who's walking through a miscarriage, how do you be a good friend in that time? Because I think it feels really unknown sometimes. And like you said, there's a really big chance of, you know, time goes on and people forget. So how do you be a good friend and walk through that? I think in the first year, if it's possible, just put it in your calendar when it happened or when they were supposed to have that baby was supposed to be born, putting that on your calendar, calling them. We've had a couple of friends and family members that call us on their birthdays, the days in which then they still call us to this day. And that has been the most meaningful thing that anyone could have ever done. And it's just like if you lose anybody, this little boy and little girl that we believe were born a girl, it was a life, you know, and if someone in your life were to pass away, it would be so encouraging for someone to do the same thing for you. You know, if my mother were to pass away and every year on her birthday, my friends would text me or call me or the day that she died, they'd text or call and tell me that they're thinking about me or praying for me. That would just mean so much. So I would say that would be one of my biggest encouragements moving forward is to help you not forget Use that that stinking iPhone or that Android phone, whatever you got, and just put it in that calendar reminder to give your friend a call or shoot them a text, and they will feel so loved by you if you did that. And honestly, if anyone passes away in their family um, of close relatives or friends, that would be something that would be so, so helpful and um, so God-honoring, as well as um, something that is just so kind and gracious. So. Such great advice. Jimmy, I have two more things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about your career in just a second, but I do want to mention that we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 coronavirus global pandemic. Things are opening up in Texas a little bit now, but I do know that your family actually has lost, you lost a family member Mm -hmm. from coronavirus. And so how has this, how have you and Stacy journeyed through this together as a couple in such a, a hard season to lose someone and just, there's no doubt, like I said, listeners who probably have walked through the same thing you've walked through in the past couple of mm-hmm. weeks. What has it been like for you walking through this season of not being able to mourn in the ways that we were traditionally mourn someone? Yeah. Oh, man. Man, Jamie, it's been very shocking, I would say. Uh, the feelings that I felt, the the way in which I've mourned, my uncle, who was a close uncle to me, he was the first to pass away. And since then, I've had 
my dad's aunt has passed away as well with COVID-19 and one of their cousins has also passed away. And we have someone else that's in the ICU still today that has COVID-19 as well. And, and it's, it's just been shocking how it's affected my family. Uh, but I will say that the, the hardness, I would say, of my own, I don't know, I don't think it's been a hardness of heart, but just me just still fighting to be a, someone that's vulnerable and not, I'm an Enneagram 7, so I don't like sharing my feelings. Um, I have to fight against that uh, most of the time. And I got to, I, I love just knowing, uh, people knowing just enough about me and me knowing everything about them. But God's just been teaching me how to do that and try to do that well. So I've just been trying to talk a lot more. And I think when everything happened with uh, a few things that have happened across America with Ahmad Aubrey and, and just uh, a couple of other people passing away all in a matter of the same week. That was just something that was really hard for me to walk through. And uh, my wife, she literally just, she had to give me a day by myself to kind of recoup and to get away and to mourn and to, and to grieve. Not saying that it only takes a day because I was grieving in the process, but she just knew that I needed some time away from the kids because the kids were going crazy, Jamie. Golly. Those kids, five and under, they were going crazy in this house. So let alone not being able to see any of my family. I haven't seen any of my family in this process with my mom and my dad's side of the family because of all the COVID-19 stuff that's brought about some fear in a way, to be honest, you know, and the folks out there that are saying this isn't a big deal. I'm like, man, tell them to call me. (laughs) Like, give me a phone call and I'll tell you how big of a deal it is, you know, because I've lost three family members to this. So let's let's talk about it. Um, And let's let me tell you how real it is to uh, lose someone you loved. And then on Mother's Day, uh, find yourself grieving at the point of not being able to catch your breath because you're wishing you could be with your grandparents or with your grandmother and other family members or that uncle could be making that dressing he used to always make uh, at grandma's house at 6 a.m. You know, that's just something that I've been like trying to do well, but there, I don't think there's a way to mourn or grieve that well in this season, especially when you can't have a funeral or see a lot of family members. And even my aunt Peggy or my great aunt Peggy, her funeral, there, there can only be 15 people there. And she was cremated. And, uh, and it's just, it's just really hard. And I'm still in some shock at how much it's affected my family specifically. Cause I, I the fr- a lot of friends that I know, I'm the only person that they know that it's affected. So in a weird way, I'm like, I always revert back to James one. I'm like, God, I I know that, that they have passed, but Lord, I I know I need to count it all joy. I know this is a a trial. This is a tribulation that um, is is doing a work in me, but it's also doing a work in other people and it's helping other people. I think more people have seen that those people are not just a name or a number Mm -hmm. of the deaths of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or COVID-19, they've actually been able to put my uncle's name there or other people's names there now that they know, wow, like Jimmy actually lost loved ones. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm praying for his Uncle Bobby and his Aunt Peggy, you know, yeah. and, and praying for him and his family. I'm oh, sorry yeah. for that. And I'm thankful for you. And I know that you are probably, I would guess, a constant and a, and a steady rock for someone in your family. Mm-hmm. I know that's a good thing. And it can also, uh, that weight is a heavy weight to bear sometimes. And so yeah. praying for you guys is that as you go through with that as well. Jimmy, I want to talk music real quick before I let you go. 10 years. uh, You've been doing music your whole life. What people might not know, you know, I got to throw this in there. You were on American Idol way, way, way back in the day. Oh man, that should go. Way back in the day. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. 
Um, but Jordan you know, Sparks you, was the season that I was on. So, oh, how fun! So, me you've been doing music your whole life. Um, released albums with Austin Stone Worship, um, and you are working on a new album of, of your own right now. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, girl. So, um, this new album, I am extremely pumped about. Uh, the first, my first album was in 2013. Oh yeah, by the way, that was the same year I got married. And was single dating that that I did also did an album that same year, which is crazy. Got it. Uh Um, uh, But uh, throughout that whole like time frame, I think, man, uh, this I've been having this dream of having this album that is just all about where I come from and all about the roots of of just, for lack of better words, Jimmy McNeil. And uh, a lot of people see me as this contemporary artist in a way or or gospel artist. And um, some people uh, tell me that, man, you, I think you're able to lead in front of like an all African-American congregation or a context where it's mostly contemporary Christian like folks that, that listen to CCM a lot. And um, some people have shared with me like there's a the unique ability that I can cross different cultures and stuff like that. So for me, I was like, man, I want this next album the first one was more like, man, I want this to be an album people can worship to. But this album is like, man, I'm going to bring out some old school stuff uh, that people ain't heard in a long time uh, for as far as uh, from my own roots and uh, from the African-American culture in a way. And and then I'm, I'm mixing it up uh, with a couple of things uh, that I'm writing right now with uh, a couple of the other writers at our church. Brett Land is one of those. We've been writing a lot. I'm so excited about it, Jamie. There's a potential that my family might be a part of it, too. Uh, that could be really, really cool. Cause I got to record my family back in, I don't know, it was about two years ago. Now we always sing together for different holidays and, and we do it acapella. So I got to capture that and interview my grandparents and, and I may be able to use some of that footage. Um, uh, we'll see. I love it so much. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. (laughs) I love Jimmy McNeil. I can get my hands on is awesome. Uh, Jimmy, Thank you so much. Thank you for your vulnerability today. Thank you for the way that you lead our church. Thank you for the way that you lead your family and you're just a great friend and follower of Jesus. And it's a joy for me to know you. And I know that today there are, you know, so many wisdom nuggets that we got out of this conversation. And thanks for thanks for all you brought to the table today. Man, thank you, Jamie. Thanks for inviting the brother to the show. And uh, I mean, just so you know, I do listen. All right. As a, I'm one of the dudes that actually listens, you know, you. on long Thank drives, you. whenever we're family stuff, traveling, we pop in Jamie Ivy's podcast and we listen. It's great. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. We'd love it if you enjoyed this show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about the happy hour. And we are so thankful for that. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. We'd love it if you enjoyed this show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about the happy hour, and we are so thankful for that. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.